I just got a phone call from a um, a hairdresser that I had booked in, like a really kind of fancy hairdresser that I had very ambitiously booked into before, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I needed to scramble to get a haircut. And the place is called Stash, right? It's called it's it's spelt S T A C H E. And the guy just rang me up, and it was an unknown number. And I said, "Yeah, who's this?" And he said, "Um." hi, this is Stasha. And I was like, what? And I was thinking <laughs> telemarketer or something. Yeah. And I was like, sorry, who are you? And he's like, this is Stasha. <laughs> so apparently they're calling themselves Stasha. And it's Stash. It's like the <laughs> end of They've named mustache. it after a thing and then chosen to mispronounce it so no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. It's like, ex- ex- it's exactly like Zoolander kind of vibes in there as well. Right. Like... It's like it's actually a Stasha. Like, like, can, is this a joke? Is this You're guy like yourself? French? Is is he like foreign? Is there any excuse? Don't think so. Uh, he's like, he's got like long. Wait, long, how do you know like, what he looks like? Because Emma gets her hair cut at the same place. Oh, I see. Um, he's got like long, long hair, and you know, with a pencil thin moustache that twirls up and stuff. It's okay. It's exactly what you think. Okay. With an accent like that. But, Star, you know, chef. Great haircuts. Yeah. So you've, you had your haircut. We talked about this last episode. You yeah. had your haircut how long ago in real time? Your double haircut disaster? Oh, maybe four weeks ago. Okay. And now you're booked in for two weeks from now? No. I had booked in four weeks ago, and this is how long it's taken them to yes no i understand back. when is your next i'm trying to work out the gap between when you had a haircut and when this one is well i i, I said I, wait i don't understand what you're saying when I, is i'm not this... gonna have another haircut oh you're not okay so what's no. the point of this fucking story uh kastashe <laughs> you said like oh i had another haircut booked i'm sorry for thinking you were gonna go to that haircut when you tell the story that way i do not think i said that you I did. Just... Let's check the tapes. Uh, I probably did, but fuck you. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So you're not even going to go enjoy Stasha's full-on salon experience? Maybe maybe in a few months I will. But you had to wait this long to get an appointment now. Yeah, but what am I going to do? I mean, I could get a corrective. I actually said on the phone. <laughs> I actually said on the phone. Uh, yeah, sorry, mate. I um. I already got a shittier haircut. <laughs> no laugh. No laugh. He's like, okay, bye. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. you might not be their clientele. I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. What would you wear? Most. I would genuinely have to dress up. I would have to put <laughs> effort into what I wore to the hairdresser. That's how trendy this place is. Wow. Too trendy for me. Too trendy for you. Much too trendy. Anyway, what's been uh, what's happening in your neck of the woods? Uh, what's been happening on my end? I have been still working on Sherlock, the video game, predominantly. Mm. Um, doing a lot of uh, interesting stuff for the story side of that. Getting to write a lot from scratch, which is really cool. So not just proofreading, but like actively ground up, which is, yeah, an unexpectedly Ooh. awesome opportunity. Nice. Nice. Um, so you yeah, I've been I've been literally writing the end of the game, like <laughs> like literally the opening and the end, like all the, these key moments somehow fell into my lap. It's pretty awesome. 
A lot of I can't believe you like write stories for games like, i know that is Neither the most I. nick job ever i know it's the most nick job i know ever. it's so weird but you're yes. a lucky boy i am um so that's good uh good grief we have a uh less than six week i think um wait until that show premieres in new zealand the Thanks. release date is the 4th of january uh, the series, the first season is all finished. It has been delivered to the network. There is a streaming page that you can go and like, you can go to TVNZ On Demand right now and just go view the page where the show will debut. There's like promo art there. There's a little trailer there, which you can watch if you're in New Zealand. Like they're starting this rollout of the show. It's it's properly happening, which is... It's a, it's, it's a product now. It's a product. It exists. I, yeah. It's awesome. I'm really excited to a see the final version myself, but b have other people see it and and hopefully like it. So yeah, we're getting quite close now, and it's just a matter of waiting. Hell yeah! Oh, yeah. Can't wait for that. Yeah, it'll be like those. The it'll be nice, nice time to have that go out as well because you got that like post Christmas, New Year's lazy malaise. You know, yeah, good yeah. for watching. So, and I mean, the total duration is probably around 90 minutes. So it is the kind of thing, like six episodes, 90 minutes. It is the kind of thing where you could just sit there on an afternoon and watch all the way through. Um, And And I will. Hopefully people do. Yeah. Um, Looking forward to that. So that's very cool. And, you know, the actual other thing that I've been working on just this week, which is, again, very much in my wheelhouse, um, is I've been uh, enlisted by Buddy to help out on uh, another show uh, that white bait my old employer makes yeah. called what now um and they've got a strand coming up next year which is an escape room um like a competitive reality show style escape room wow so they'll be bringing like teams of three into this like professional tv set escape room and like they'll compete to go through it as fast as they can um and they'll like air those across like multiple weeks of the show, and the fastest time will win a prize at the end of it all, that sort of thing. Um, so it's real. It's a reality kind of game show. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's only going to be like ten minute segments inside of what now, like a bigger TV show. But it, so it's more of a yeah. strand than it is like a standalone. But it is format wise going to be the kind of thing where we're seeing them do the it thinks sort of survivor like do a challenge and then in the middle of it we cut away to the diary cam where they're like talking about the thing afterwards and they're like oh i just couldn't work out how to open the door and i was so angry when she pressed the button before she you know like and then intercut that with them trying to solve the puzzles so my task the reason i've been brought in to do it is to like structure the um, narrative and the idea behind the room like you know how every escape room's themed and there's yep. like a story or there's documents and that kind of stuff they brought me in to write this story and to plan all the puzzles so i've spent the past two days like mentally designing a physical escape room layout and like okay they start here and then they have to pass something through this room and then they've got to solve this puzzle and they've got to enter in this code and when they work out that this plus this equals that they can open that key which will then get that and then the you know the padlock opens here and that shoots the laser through there and like a how, very how do you even start to come up with that do it, you have to just ruminate for ages yeah it is actually genuinely really you difficult. can't just be like all right well i'm gonna think about the escape room from nine to eleven like it's not gonna work like it's that is really it? no it's really tough and it's tough for a whole bunch of reasons it's tough because coming up with puzzles 
is hard. It's like if you, if I said like go make a riddle, you know, you have to go and seriously think about it, right? Even oh, like yeah. mathematical or logic forms, you know, that you could like base something off of. You still have to go off and really do work on. But then there's all these other levels on top of it as well, which are like added considerations. It's a TV show. So you don't want just puzzles which are reading. You know, you don't want people to be like flicking through pages of a book because there's no way that we can cover that on screen. It's very hard to get that shot to see what they're looking at, to work out what they're thinking when they're reading, you know, documents and that kind of thing. It's not very interesting TV. So everything has to be bigger or more visual or more physical um, there's, there's practical things where like when you're in an escape room, the, um, uh, typical design is like completely self-contained, but if you're filming it for TV, you've got to have a lighting rig, you've got to have cameras. So do you have holes in the wall? Do you have two way mirrors? Do you have an open roof that you can look in on? Do you have GoPros inside? Like how do we actually film the thing while maintaining the idea of it being in an enclosed space, you know? Wow. It's it's yeah, and and then the other consideration is the like a lot of the contestants will be young teens, so maybe between ten to fourteen year olds. So trying to work out what a puzzle is that they could understand, but how also the fuck? how do you do that? I know. Also, then you having, have to work out what a what a young teenager thinks. Yeah, I mean, we do have cool accessible audience, you know, that we can speak to, and they'll you know, uh, audition contestants who are into this kind of stuff, you know, that there might also be like a celebrity version. And so then if adults are going to do the same room and it has to be the same room between every team. So it's fair. You can't mix up the puzzles each time. Um, if there's a celebrity team, then adults are going through it. Is it going to be too easy for them? Or is it going to be too hard for kids? Like all this kind of, yeah. How long are these things going to take? If we're aiming for a half hour room, is this too many puzzles or is this not enough puzzles? If we send through a test team to give it a go and they do it fast, but they're actually faster than everyone else that we actually film doing it, then we might suddenly have a shoot day which goes two or three hours longer because everyone's going slower. Through. Like there's just so many. Sounds so, like a fucking nightmare. Dude, so I'm many stressed. Variables. I am stressed just listening to all of that. <laughs> My anxiety is actually going up. Yeah. So, I mean, the good thing is I'm not doing it all by myself. And so I don't have to build it. I don't have to plan it. I don't have to source things. I don't have to find kids. I just have to write the puzzles in the story and then be there as they start to put it together and test it so that we can we can see how it works. So despite everything I just described, it's actually been really fun. It's just so mentally draining sure, <laughs> to try I and think th- this shit up. Um, yeah. and it, it sounds like it could, it could definitely be fun working with a team. Mm. But it just sounds like on paper, like a giant head fuck. Yeah, it is. But then, like the end result, though, like I think it could be really cool. Like I, you've done escape rooms, right? You, you've very reluctantly, yes, very reluctantly. That's interesting. I uh, hated it. Can I tell you my experience with the escape room? Yeah, please. I've done two of them, okay. dragged, kicking, and screaming both times. Okay. Both it times, also like extremely trouble. hungover. Okay, there we go. And you know, <laughs> wait, both times. Both times hungover. <laughs> um, and I remember one time, uh, one time I just walked out after the first room. I was like, I'm not, I feel, first of all, feel a little claustrophobic. And second of all, don't want to do this. I hate the idea of doing like team puzzles things, not to shit on your show, but it's just <laughs> not for me. And then the second time I got bored after 
two minutes and they had a piano. So I was just like, fuck it. I'll just play the piano while the team, you know, does the escape room. And then what do you know? That piano unlocked the fucking, uh, the, the fucking thing. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't help. I didn't contribute to any further <laughs> escape rooms after that. That was the, the one sec- thing. Was but... it the same group of people? Like, uh, as uh, I can't remember, I can't remember. But. So the second time around, it, it, so if it was the same group of people, then they would have been aware that last time you fucking walked out. So either they were like, maybe this time we'll get it, or they had not been privy to that information and, and were going to be freshly disappointed by the fact that you did not contribute at all once you got in there. Yeah, I I think I think you could you probably expect me to not be into that kind of thing. I mean, I don't like doing games. I don't like games night. I hate the idea of games night. But weirdly enough, I love poker. So I don't know how that works. <laughs> yeah, it seems self contradictory. Yeah, but poker you can win money. If I could win money in this thing, I'd be I'd be the, you know the most enthusiastic one. Well, you got to put and, a dollar bill at the end of it. Come and compete in our TV show and win a prize at the end. I'm there, baby. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Hey, how you going? Good to see you. I mean, you can't see us, but maybe we can see you. No, that still doesn't work. Anyway, this is a podcast, and we talk about things on it. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend Michael. Hey, say some words. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Didn't say any words. <laughs> I just don't I know how whoop. bad you are at this. I said four words. Yeah. And my name's Nick. Hi. Uh, what a fortnight, baby! What, what a fortnight. fortnight. We're f- like the world, t- the America. Let's just say America. I mean, what are they doing? What are the Republicans fucking doing, Nick? Is what it a rhetorical? Or were you going to answer the question yourself? Or I was you hoping asking? you would. I was hoping you would answer my rhetorical question. Okay, that seems presumptive. <laughs> um... <laughs> What are the Republicans doing? Uh, well, for the past two weeks, it has really all been still about Trump, though, hasn't it? It has been Trump and his ego, despite a clear winner. And I would like to say that we, we did call it two weeks ago we on did. our podcast. It had not been as super confirmed as it is now super confirmed, but we had said... I, I, I believed I, call it, I called it a year ago when there was uh, no Democratic uh, nominee yet. You did. You did. Um, the... Uh, Seinfeld. Just completely, you just completely. That's Seinfeld. Oh, that's a good. That's a good Seinfeld base. Yeah. What were we talking about? I can't remember. All right. So, my favorite's Kramer. It's because you like walking into things. Um, I. Okay. Okay. We we got this. We're professionals. Yeah, um, you, can you tell that my brain's a little bit mushy? Why? What have you been doing? Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. <laughs> the uh, Republican Party uh, has been kowtowing to Trump, as I think where we were going with this. Trump has been the one whose ego has not allowed him to accept a loss. And so he has uh, just completely gone off the rails, right? His, yeah, yeah. his approach to this has not been... I don't know why, to be honest, any of us thought that he might actually just concede defeat, but he very much hasn't. Lawsuits all over no. the place. I think he's currently one for 26. 
um, not doing so well in the in the legal system because there is no evidence of voter fraud, and yet he keeps no. saying he won. Yes. Uh, one thing that's um, a few people have pointed out um, lately is that there's a very there's a, there's a big difference between what you can claim on Twitter and what can actually happen in the courts because they've had a few cases. By the way, can we just say how funny was the Four Seasons land, total landscaping? <laughs> oh my god! It was can you good. you couldn't write that better? You couldn't write that better, and it would be unbelievable. If yeah. You did. Um, but yeah, there's a big difference between Trump claiming voter fraud on Twitter and then trying to get his lawyers to actually make the case in court, which they have uh, clearly just not been able to do because they don't they don't have a case. And they even had that. Well, I think it was maybe it wasn't maybe Michigan where they they were claiming that they well they were going in claiming that they didn't have. Um, people on their behalf in the voting um centers, in the ballot counting rooms yeah in the ballot counting rooms keeping an eye on things i think it was and pennsylvania then, yeah right and then when they brought it to court they they were they were asked if they didn't have any any representative representatives in there and they said and i quote there was a non-zero number in there <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah, that were there, is just were there perfect. any of your any people representing the Trump campaign in the room? There were a non-zero number of people in the room, so there were what? people. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and then the, the judge said, "So what's the problem here?" Yeah. I mean, just poetry, man. Poetry. Yeah, beautiful. It is um, at the same time as being absurd, it is also like so damaging. Oh, like yeah. it is so so damaging. This the fact that he's continuing to assert this stuff, which is just again, this is something that we've known about him forever. This sort of f- by force of will, going to shape and bend reality around him so that it is the way that he wants it, um, and to now reach that point where. He continues to insist that he won, where he continues to insist that there was voter fraud, even though it's, again, so far detached from actual reality. Even Republican governors and, you know, heads of each state are saying, no, there's uh, the votes are right, you know. Even if you do a recount, you can't get enough votes back to change this. Um, all this stuff. And yet, because of the sort of bubble of the right-wing media, there are millions and millions of people just completely enthralled by this guy who think the election was stolen. Like, the, the the democratic implications of this can't really be understated. It is properly going to ruin the trust in the electoral system. Absolutely. And the real shame uh, for me has been the way that, that Republican senators and officials have not come out and in opposition to this. And they, I mean, we've known that a whole bunch of them are fucking pussies already. We've always known that. They're fucking pussies. But they are, they are coming out and saying, you know, that, or they're saying to journalists um, anonymously, they're saying, you know, he'll go out, he'll, he'll leave. Just, you know, we, this is just how we have to just like. Just let him come to terms with it. I'm like, we're talking about the president of the United States, and we're we're talking about 
just like placating a guy, like jet, like not even exa- not even exaggerating, like a child. Yeah. Just don't worry, he'll tire out. He'll leave eventually. <laughs> yeah. Like that's exactly what they're doing. This is yeah. the highest ranking official in the free world. I mean, what are we doing? Like you, like these Republican senators that are just doing this. I mean, they're just that you. You know that these guys are just doing it. They're career politicians. They they just they just want to be on the right. They want to be on the on the good side of the most powerful person, and they just absolutely don't have the country's best interests at heart. And that's the that's the that's the damaging thing, as you said, and that's the shameful thing. Bec- they clearly and so obviously right now, as if it wasn't before, they do not have America's best interests at heart. And if you don't have your country's best interests at heart as a as a politician, you're a scumbag. Yeah, well said. The um, kind of craziness in, in which you describe that, like you're treating Trump like a child. It's like it's like forcing him to like sit at the dinner table until he finishes his vegetables. Right? Like you don't <laughs> get to go and have fun until you accept this thing. He, he's he's absolutely just throwing a temper tantrum. The scary thing of it all is that he's still in office for another two months. So <laughs> he has this like ability to literally burn the house down. So it's totally. just a smoldering wreck. And Well he can this, pardon himself, can't he? I don't think that's legally true. I think they would I think that's not within his realms. Um I'd want to check that because I, I definitely heard that he can pardon himself if he wanted to, but no president has ever done that before. Yeah, the um, I, I I saw talk of it, but I think I also saw coverage saying that it was um, legally, you know, not not okay, not an outcome that would. It just doesn't stand up to any sort of objective scrutiny. The idea that a a president can pardon himself um, because there's meant so. to be some degree of you know objective justice in the thing. It wouldn't it wouldn't agree with you know constitutional principles. I don't think. Um, but the uh, that doesn't you know discount the kind of damage that he could do by pardoning others, which is crazy. Um, yep. But also, the there was an article today in CNN, and this is fucking crazy. Like this is how legitimately crazy it is. In any other context, again, just like everything with Trump, in any other context, any one of these little stories would be the center of a like months long scandal. But who knows if this will even go anywhere? There was a CNN article saying that the Trump White House office campaign approach is literally going to be a vindictive scorched earth policy and that multiple sources conferred this, confirmed this, um, that they have outwardly said that they're going to blow up international foreign policies and fuck with other countries, pull, you know, people out of... Uh, Afghanistan and stuff and hope that it all goes to shit or, um, you know, impose sanctions on things so that Biden inherits an international crisis and looks bad. Like, legitimately, that has been corroborated CNN reporting that the the Trump White House is literally just burning the fucking house down Jesus, in a temper tantrum. And I can I, see it happening. You can see it happening. Like he fired the um, head of the electoral security um, 
uh, I guess, department oh, yeah. or whatever, because he came out and, and attested that it was the most secure election that America's ever had. And yeah. this guy was a nonpartisan, you know, uh, very well respected figure in the security world who had By the done way, incredible things. I just love things. that that they were that this was the most secure election in in history. Yeah. <laughs> and and as every most recent election ought to be or should be or is just is, by virtue of the technology. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It is kind of um it is a little bit reminiscent of a uh, a marketing slogan like every time apple comes out onto stage each year and they says this is the iphone 12 and it's the best iphone we've ever made it's like well yeah because a if it's not yeah. you're not going to say actually last year's was better could just go pick up an 11 <laughs> but b if you're not making it better <laughs> then what are you doing <laughs> like it's the same kind of thing but um you know i, I that's not to uh, dismiss Funny. the actual work that the security um, complex put into preventing, you know, Russian interference and that kind of stuff this time around. But this guy got fired by Trump because he came out and said this was a perfectly secure election with no indications of fraud. And Trump was like, okay, fuck off. <laughs> Get out of here, mate. Get out of here. Yeah, God. What are you drinking? Uh, I've got a golden lager, a Monteith's golden lager. Nice. Have you been drinking much? Uh, no, not like, not, not today specifically and not midweek, but over the weekends. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's getting into that silly season. Sure. Why do you ask? Uh, just because I've been like thinking about my own drinking habits lately. Right. Um, and over, over lockdown, they're definitely, I mean, I, I say this now looking back, um, being like you know working nine to five and being tired at 9 p.m every day yeah. that yeah. my drinking habits were pretty you know well not extreme well maybe it was getting it was getting a little bit dangerous well not dangerous i don't know why i, I just keep excessive. saying shit and backtracking um <laughs> yeah it was definitely excessive i hit someone with my car well not with my car <laughs> Someone else's car. Well, you know, it was a motorcycle. I'd stole someone's motorcycle. <laughs> well, stole someone's motorcycle and hit them with someone else's motorcycle. <laughs> I don't know who it was. I was too drunk. I was too drunk. It, I think it was a person. I hit someone with someone's motorcycle. That's all I know. <laughs> it was a big night. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if it was a person. I just heard a noise and I went flying. <laughs> I you did got that so, right as you drank. I did so good to keep that. You did so in well. You kept that in. You kept that in your mouth. You breathe through your nose. <laughs> well, we what we're we talking about. Uh, so Trump, I was going to say something. Party. Oh, we we're talking about your drinking. And then there was yeah. something before that I was going to talk about. But just in terms of the drinking, uh, you were you. There was a period earlier this year where you, you'd basically cut it out completely, or end of last year where you'd, you'd really got rid of quite a lot of it, and was sleeping a lot better and that kind of thing. To go from that into the lockdown period, I don't think you should feel particularly bad about starting to drink more or anything like that. It's obviously a, a very reasonable and common coping mechanism. Uh, but I think as you've identified now that you're 
in that kind of full on nine to five, like brain and body moving all day kind of schedule that you probably don't need anything more at the end of the night to really unwind beyond, you know, a glass of wine or two. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if you, if you, if you are mentally exhausted and physically exhausted at the end of the day, drinking will only accelerate that process until you need to sleep. So yeah. it's just not, you can't be an alcoholic, you know, with a, um, when you're busy. I mean, <laughs> that's what the science says. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's my quote for the day. Michael is a low functioning alcoholic. So some others <laughs> out there are able to juggle, you know, a busy, you know, home life, work schedule and obsessive drinking. But lucky for Michael, he's um, he's more of like a one track guy, one track mind <laughs> and uh, uh, struggles to multitask at the best of times. Um, uh, oh, yeah. So we, we come off the back of Trump. Do you have anything more about Trump that you want to say? Um. Because I was about to move into vaccine territory, COVID Adelaide vaccine. Oh yeah, I, I just have a question. Like, yeah. So what what do you think is going through Trump's head right now? Like, what do you think? What do you think he's thinking? And how do you think this plays out from here? Well, there have been some reports or suggestions that Trump does know he's lost, but that he feels like he needs to fight this on behalf of the base. So that right. the base A doesn't turn on him because the last thing that he wants to do is be subject to the nuttos for, you know, once he leaves office. Um, or people who feel like angry and betrayed that he didn't fight for them, that kind of thing. But yeah. also B as potentially a, a form of platform um, security where, okay, he's going to leave the office, but maybe he wants to launch merchandise or get a website going or pick up his, you know, Trump um, Trump Fox show, you know, or something kind of in that media space afterwards. Because he's not going to just do nothing, right? Yeah. So something so you think along he, these he just, lines. If he just thinks he, he, he thinks he, if he sows enough doubt, it will make it, if he can convince a, a significant um percentage of his base to believe that yeah maybe the election was fraudulent that in their eyes at least he's not a loser yeah and that he was cheated out yeah and but so do you then think he actually th- believes that stuff i think not really? i feel like He's a showman, right? Like, ultimately, the only thing that he's ever been really good at is media. Communications and media. And <laughs> communications is generous, but it is true. Like, he can sell a message and hold a crowd. Yeah. And I think he just has that, you know, finger in the air. He knows which way the wind's blowing. And he can totally. just, like, conduct the mixing metaphors, conduct the, the orchestra, right? And I feel like he knows by now that he lost. The number of ways that the legal arguments have failed, the shitty performance of Rudy Giuliani in (laughs) federal court, you know, or in front of total landscaping, you know, (laughs) all of these various facets. Even Fox News called this election for Biden, you know. All of these various platforms have informed him. I think he probably knows. The thing is that Mm -hmm. he, he, he can't be seen to just 
give Lie in. Down. Yeah. So he'll exit the office. He'll kick and scream on the way out. He'll claim that he's oh such a nice guy for doing it because even though that we know there's so many like electoral problems or whatever, you know, I'm going to do it anyway, and you know, I'll run again in 2024 or some shit. You know, he'll he'll do this as the face saving thing. But I don't think he genuinely believes it. Mm. I don't no, that's think a, he genuinely believes it. That's a good point. And, and now that you've said it, like that he'll, he'll, the way that he'll go out will be, you know what? You guys have cheated me, but I'll, I'll do it for the country. Yeah. Even though you've cheated me. I mean, that's how, that's the only way yeah. he can go out. Yeah. The crooked Democrats stole this election. Um, Blah, blah, blah. I mean, here's yeah. the flip side. Here's the flip side that I, re- I realized as I was talking. I think pathologically, you know, we know Donald Trump is a narcissist. We know that he feels like he's always right. Maybe there is still an argument to be made that he he just, you know, mentally cannot process the idea that he lost. If he didn't lose, like, he could not have just legitimately lost. Because he's the center of the world and he's popular and his fans love and scream for him. Maybe if it's if this is what people are saying, then it has to have been fraud, right? Like it might. Mm. It, I could see an argument that it is still something he hasn't accepted. Mm. I mean, look at his career as a businessman. Like he's had failures before. His and entire, how has he handled those? His entire life is a failure. He's had he's bankrupt casinos. He's had bankrupt. Uh, buildings. I mean, how does he handle that? You ask him about that. You go back. I mean, I don't know if you do this or anyone else does this, but I go back through, like, watch like old interviews with Trump in like 1995 with David Letterman and things like that. I mean, it's fascinating to watch that guy knowing who he grew into, you know, 25 years uh, after the fact. And and David Letterman, such a good interview, and we'll, and we'll say, hey, you know, you're bankrupt. You don't have that much money. He says this. And Trump will be like, "No, I have plenty of money. They're all doing fantastic." You know, yeah. He, he, he's never once admitted a failure or loss, even yeah. though he has a string of failures. So Absolutely. he's not going to do it here. But yeah, the, I, I, the, I agree with your projection that he'll that he'll of how he'll leave the office. And I can't int- wait for I can't wait for that day, January twenty. I'm going to watch that live. I'm going to stay up for it. The, is it January twenty? Yeah. Well, that's when Joe Biden gets sworn in. Right. Um, the interesting thing about those old interviews, I haven't gone back with the amount of depth that you have, I suspect, but 25-year-ago Trump, he can string a sentence together. He's actually quite charming. quite charming and quite literate. It is shocking to see the, like, degradation in his speech, in his, you know, thought patterns. It is totally noticeable. I mean, he's still he's still a douche. He's mm. just always been a douchebag. Yeah, and and I mean that in the literal sense. Like he is just a bit of a loser. As much as he goes on about winning, he's always been kind of a loser. He's always kind of been out. I mean, he's never had the cool group which of society, which would be celebrities. No yeah. one's backed him. They've yeah. all made fun of him. He's not he's, pretty. He's, he's not actually successful. He's not like popular. He's just he had is money. successful. Well, sure. I mean, he is successful and he does have money, but he's just never been in with the group. He's always been the outsider. And I feel like he knows that. 
that's why he wants that's why he gets fucking what's his name little little pump or whatever Lil Wayne to come up like he and he's so like jazzed about getting like a black rabbit that he's never heard of that likes him. I mean he's never been a cool guy. He's he's a fucking loser, man. And he 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 was a loser back then. He was a loser when he was forty five. He's the loser now. Well it's I mean look not everything in life is daddy issues, but it really feels like this is daddy issues, right? Like Massive we know from like again interviews and historical record that his dad <laughs> really didn't fucking like it. Fucked him up <laughs> and fucked really him up. Fucked him up. Yeah, and he's I just mean, never been able to get past it. Maybe in a few years when the world has some distance from this horrendous individual, we might start to get movies and books that will allow us to have a little empathy for this man and start to see him, you know, as maybe try to understand who he is and how he came to be such a prick. <laughs> I just, I find that I, I, uh, this is, this is hyperbole. I'm going to say it. I know it. I, I'm asterisk. At the top, I know it's hyperbole. I know this is not a fair comparison. But okay. I'm, here we go. It's it's a little bit like showing the sensitive upbringing of Hitler, right? In a movie. <laughs> and I just mean asking people who've been manifestly, like, worsened, tortured, traumatized, infected... Uh, made homeless, made redundant, you know, all of the various atrocities that American, uh, you know, civilians have gone through in this four-year term. Making a movie in which you're meant to empathize with this person and be like, hey, but his dad was a little bit mean. I just, I'm not sure. I can't picture the the filmic treatment that would be successful in that way because I think he's just so loathsome. Mm. And also, even... If he has, like, dad problems, right? There's still so much in his life which he had. So many opportunities. So many millions of dollars. So many buildings and skyscrapers and, and you know, failures that just get written off. And, you know, banks which lend him money even though he's banked her up. All these kind of things. And he still fucks it up over and over again. I think if you are even, you know, genuinely going into a film like that where you want a sort of... You know, see, you're open to the idea of, like, following this man's somewhat biographical journey. I think it's going to be really hard to empathize with a guy who has all this stuff and is still such a shithead, still so entitled, still so cruel to people, right? If you're watching a spoiled millionaire, it's just, it's not going to be appealing. I find, I'm just not sure what the angle is to do a biopic about Trump. Well, I think... I think you kind of explained it. It's like, it's it's not immediately, it doesn't immediately induce sympathy, but, you know, it's this, he's a lonely, he's kind of a lonely guy. I mean, there's no love between his wife, clearly, or any of his wives. I mean, he's a lonely, sad man surrounded by gold. I mean, I'm not saying that we should excuse the terrible actions he does, but I think it's interesting and it's kind of interesting. It's, it'd be interesting. I think personally to see how Hitler became Hitler. Hitler wasn't always Hitler. He was a little boy once he was a teenager. And then he was a man in his early twenties. Like 
I find that interesting, and I want to understand those people. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the Joker. Or I was just about yeah. to say it. I was waiting for you to finish. I was like, do you really? approach this like the Joker? Yeah, I think so. I th- I think that's maybe that's maybe where you go with that, and I think it's fascinating. He's a fascinating man. So, like the Joker movie. I mean, you and I, <clears throat> I think we both liked. I think you really liked from memory. Um, yeah. But the 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 approach to that film is show a disturbed man who does unspeakable things, but try and earn some sympathy along the way by showing how life did him wrong. I, I you know there is a model there that you could apply to a Trump film. I just I still feel like because it's in the real world and because it's so current, I'm just not sure what appetite will be there. There have been, there was the Dom, um, the, uh, the Gleason, Donald, Dom, Donald Gleason. The Comey role. Comey role. He had, he, he played Trump, right? Did you watch it? Yeah, it was crap, but Gleason was good. Uh, it was out of crap though. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch, but I was curious as to like, is the performance, does he do the voice? Is it, is he like, inhabiting that character like a, a the reason why that no that the reason why that performance was so good in such a shit show in my opinion was that Gleason's Gleason doesn't do a caricature of him he kind of does in the imitation and, it, and I th- we haven't really seen that and I think we'll get a few more like over the years there's going to be movies and there's going to be shows about it um well maybe there's not I mean it's hard to kind of I mean, you don't really see it with Barack Obama or anything, but yeah, I don't know. Trump is so larger than life; it's it's kind of hard to imagine there not being any movies made. I mean, it's it's true. You could sort of see in like a ten or fifteen year on period, you could get something like Vice, where they they tackle a grandiose figure with a grandiose style. I didn't particularly like Vice as a movie, but. That performance, oh, right. Vice, um, with uh, the Adam McKay film about um, Christian Bale, yeah, with Dick Christian Cheney. Bale about Dick Cheney, um, yep. that's a very big sort of adaptation of a, of a current events. Maybe yep. that's the way to tackle it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, you're right. And um, there was also Oliver Stone's W. Um, yeah, who did Josh Brolin did. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think yeah, that kind of that kind of style of movie I could definitely see. Interesting there hasn't been an Obama one. Maybe it's just too soon. They don't want to make fun of Obama. Obama's too cool to make fun of. I, but that's the thing, you don't have to do it as like a critique though, do you? You could just do a biopic. You know, you could do yeah. young Obama years, right? And then end up sort of as he takes the office something like that. Like you could say it in they that did period. Do it- they did do a show on Obama, but it was just not that good. Really? I was watching Obama did a sixty, yeah. Uh, it was kind of um, midday movie style, but I was just watching um, Bar- Barack's uh, sixty minutes interview, and he's just so like just the way he just walks in, he walks into the interview. It's so interesting seeing Barack hold himself four years after office after we've had four years with Trump in office. And Barack is... Barack, without a tie, is still has more presidential capacity in his pinky finger than Trump yeah. does. Yeah. And he just... Yeah, he's just fucking cool. He walks in, he's like, elbow bump. You know, he's just like... Ah. Did you see his fucking 
three-pointer. Did you see oh, that clip? Yeah. He's like at a basketball ring. He's he's rallying for Biden. Uh, yeah. Someone like bounce passes Barack a basketball. Barack yeah. just casually grabs it, shoots from the three throw line, um, three three point line, I should say, um, and yeah. fucking swish. And then he just like mic drops, walks away. That's how you do it. And lifts, lifts his mask down. Yeah, that's how you do it. And you know what just... I loved about that video, apart from how cool it was, was that it was so rep- it was so like perfectly representative of Joe Biden because Joe Biden's just a poor man's Obama at best. Yeah, and Joe Biden's just like sitting there at the back, and Obama's still holding like. He's got the attention court. of the room. Right? He's like the alpha there. He's yeah. like he's the guy, and Joe Biden's like, "Whoa, that yeah. was cool." I'll, I'll I'll be right there, Barack. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, uh, it is the coolest. It's just like instant, you know, uh, viral smash. It was, it was honestly a thing where I I watched it and I was like, I was not sure that it was like current. Because he just <laughs> yeah. looked like... I was like, was this something that had happened four years ago and people were just reminiscing? It's like, oh no, this happened this morning? This was just <laughs> a thing that he just did now? Fuck it. <laughs> so good. What a, what, a, mm. what, a great, what a great president. Yeah. Well, right, um, uh, sorry, vaccines. Oh, you don't want to do vaccines? Yeah, I do. Well, I, I was going to say the other sort of thing which happened over the past couple of weeks is we should send some love to Adelaide, which is, as we record, are currently in... Absolute lockdown, quite an aggressive, hard lockdown um, because there had been 34 cases that had um, crept out of a Medi hotel in Adelaide. 34 Uh, now? I think it's 34. I don't think there are actually any new cases today, which is quite encouraging. But um, yeah, Yeah. I think it was 34. Um, So that, uh, that city, in fact, the entire state is now in even a more aggressive lockdown than New Zealand did. Can't, can't even exercise. You cannot place. leave the house even to exercise or walk around your block. You are literally housebound uh, other than to go to supermarkets or to pharmacies. Um, mm. There are a few, uh, you know, obvious exceptions for if you need mental health, if you need to get out of a domestic abuse situation, if you need to go to the booze shop, you know, all these things are valid. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, cannot go for walks, cannot go to park, cannot leave the house. That is an intense six days. And and they've defined it as six days, and then after that it drops down and some of that eases up. But They're saying that there's a different strain in South Australia. Yeah, I found that interesting as well. A shorter incubation period and more contagious or something? Yeah, a real rapid three-day sort of window, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? That you can have... Well, I guess we have known that there are different strains of coronavirus, but yeah. Yeah. I've always thought of it as the same thing. Yeah. But it's interesting that it's like already mutated. Like, isn't that kind of scary? I wonder what the total Uh, sum, you know, of different variants that we know of now. It's probably dozens. If we get... Before I ask that, have you spoken to your folks and how are they dealing with it yeah they're they're all right they're um they were all stocked and prepared you know they're 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 fairly um homebody types anyway um dad had been yeah yeah, dad had been traveling for work so that's been cancelled the one which is still up in the air um is that he is actually waiting on a hip replacement 
some, oh. uh, you know, elective surgery. Um, he's been hobbling in pain for the past few weeks, just waiting for this surgery date, which is coming up. Elective surgeries have been cancelled for the yeah. foreseeable future. So mm. we are hoping that this six-day circuit breaker, as they're calling it, will um, stop the stop the coronavirus in its tracks and that by the time that date is scheduled um he will be able to go in and have that surgery because if it gets pushed back he's he's not going to be very comfortable well how does that elective if it's if he's in pain well i i guess that it's not like not emergency yeah he's not bleeding and he's it's a little it's a little um it's a little nasty to call it elective oh, you, at that point. Isn't you want it? to walk? You, you feel like you deserve to walk? Is that what you're saying? Okay. So you're choosing. You're choosing to you walk. Want, so you're choosing to do this. Okay. Well, it seems like a lifestyle oh, choice to me. Have you considered? <laughs> have you considered just not moving? Yeah, um, that's a bit rich, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, but also I, six days seems pretty short. Yes, but here's the thing. If it's a three-day cycle, that's two waves of it, right? Wait, three-day cycle? Three days to show infectiousness. That's why they're saying it's such a fast-acting thing. I think think they're saying that this strain becomes visible quicker. So is that good? Well, I don't think it's, you know, it's either good or bad. It just means this is coloured the way that they're they're changing these procedures. So I think they're doing six days... See how that goes. And this is at the crazy intense where you can't even leave the house, right? One yeah. person from your household every day can go out to one of two places, basically. Yeah. Beyond that six days, there'll be an eight days where it's slightly looser. So that combined is two weeks. And I think yeah. that second half, maybe they'll say, now you can go for walks outside, but it'll yeah. still be full lockdown. So across that two-week period, I think they would expect to see most of those symptomatic cases appear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've been um we've been making fun of my dad. You, I mean, you've you've been to my folks home and seen the pantry. It's, you know, there's 50 jars of pasta sauce. My dad's 50 exactly. toilet rolls. Yeah. Is he? Absolutely. My dad, yeah. and I'm not exaggerating, as we speak, <laughs> probably has I want to say a good 30 cans of coconut milk or coconut <laughs> cream in his pantry. Well, that's useful, though. Uh, but has he been doing this pre-lockdown? He's done this for the entirety of my life. <laughs> All right. So we're in the same boat. Like, we've yeah. been making fun of my dad for doing this for years. And finally, we're just like, all right. You know. You finally He's been off. stockpiling. He's been stockpiling without actually, you know, taking from others. Or, yeah. you know, emptying the shelves for himself. Yeah. He's just been doing it gradually. Yeah, some of the cans are from 1985, but I think they're still probably good. Oh, the tuners, the tuners, uh, don't touch the tuner. (laughs) We have that on the door (laughs) when you come into my house. Now I understand. (laughs) Whatever you do, don't eat the tuner. Yeah. The, um, so, uh, sending our love to Adelaide, it's going to be tough. We're here for you, you know, now Melbourne gets a chance to show, uh, those South Australians, how to do it um, and show a bit of empathy in return. Um, the mm. interesting news coming out of America is that they're, well, sort of globally, I suppose, is that a couple of the big pharmaceutical companies have come out with what seem to be pretty impressively effective vaccines. 
95%. Both Pfizer both and Moderna. Moderna. Yeah. yeah, I think I've said 95% now, which is, that's a pretty impressive feat. It's a very impressive feat. So maybe you can clear this up for me. Are we looking to get 100% or no vaccine is 100%? I don't know the answer to that. I would guess no vaccine is 100%. I think they call it when they're confident that it's safe and mostly effective. I would imagine that these 95% effective vaccines are going into production. I think that they are going to call that good enough, assuming it's safe enough. Right. And now, do you, are you someone who will, you know, be willing to take the vaccine when it, when it comes? Well, I don't know that it'll really be up to me to make that choice. You're sort of asking that from a what's our safety consideration question kind of perspective. Well, I mean, I mean, I think the trepidation that people have right now is that they might be slightly distrustful of a vaccine that has so so clearly been rushed. Well, at least perception-wise, has been has been rushed through. So you don't have the luxury of knowing that a vaccine has been tested over, you know, a decade or five years. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I was reading an article. In fact, uh, I can't remember if it was an article or it was in a series of tweets, but someone, someone in the epidemiology field or the vaccination field was talking about how those concerns should actually be put to rest because this 10-year figure... It is not 10 years of being in clinical tests. That 10-year figure encompasses a whole amount of other work. Things like filling out applications, seeking grant money, uh, doing the paperwork, finding a lab, you know, designing these things with limited resources. All of that, like the bulk of that time is admin and um, bureaucracy and systemic kind of focus and production issues sort of things bring it finding a factory to manufacture it working out how to produce it the amazing achievement of these vaccines is actually a testament to the things that we can get done with a global focus and infinite resources (laughs) so if your question is not, okay, who am I going to apply to to get this grant money? If the US government says, here's a billion dollars, go make a vaccine, then that's, you know, three years out of this process gone. If the, well, where are we going to produce this? Who's going to back us for it? Oh, well, you know, there's, you know, seven international pharmacological giants ready to hit play on all of their factories around the globe. Okay, well, then we don't have to worry about that either. If the only thing that you're trying to do is find a chemical combination which you know produces this reaction in the body to uh, you know prevent against the disease and the entirety of the international you know vaccination community is unified in this goal they're all working on this one disease right now in a shared scientific endeavor it's like everyone deciding we're all going to go to the moon right right like that combined international effort and spirit of coordination between scientists the world over, plus in infinite resources, plus, um, you know, obviously the actual pressures and time 
expected of people during a pandemic. You know, this has all shrunken that 10 year period in realistic ways. And the guy was basically saying, do not fear the safety of the vaccine when it's released. By the time it's released, all of the scientists will have looked at it. They'll have looked at the data. They would have raised the red flag if it had red flags that needed to be raised. But that time frame that we know of is what happens in the normal world when half right. of your lab is working on other diseases and half of the world has got factories devoted to other things. This right. this is a specific circumstance with infinite resources and global focus. Don't be afraid of the vaccine just because of the time frame. Right. Well, that's comforting. Mm. Um, but also, And so, logical, I think. Yes, but here's... And I'm willing to be um, talked out of this. Is doesn't it? Wouldn't it take a while to really fully understand the side effects of a drug? Potentially. I look. I'm no, you know, immunologist at all, but I think that in certain respects, the way that they are designing vaccines. They're building on a foundational knowledge about how certain, you know, proteins and stuff work or certain vaccine types work from previous, you know, uh, vaccines and knowledge. So their expectations about where to look and what kind of side effects might be are probably already focused. And I don't know necessarily that it takes 10 years to see a side effect to a vaccine. I think you might... Again, this is completely unverified. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I would imagine that either it causes problems almost straight away or yeah. it fails in a way that's identifiable. Like, okay, now we try and give you the COVID and you get the COVID. Um, mm. But I'm not sure that, you know, people are going to 10 years on discover they have tumors because this thing did this thing, you know? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it just occurs to me this. It's a little hypocritical of me to question this as someone who, who has medical done clinical <laughs> drug trials for cash. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've literally accepted 150 bucks and said, Doc, whatever you got to do, stick yeah, it I'll, in me as long as I get that sweet, sweet cash. Let me drop my pants and you get to work. And it all worked out fine, except I got this kind of twitch. But, yeah. uh, you know. And you can levitate. Give me a... <laughs> yeah, I can read minds. So, um, I mean, isn't this going to be a weird, a weird takeaway to merge that two threads? Isn't it going to be weird if Trump leaves office and his most significant achievement, genuinely, is the fast track program which funded vaccine research, which legitimately resulted in like the Pfizer vaccine operation warp speed but warp he's speed. claiming he's claiming that Pfizer and Moderna held off announcing uh, that they had a successful drug in their hands until after the collection uh, yeah. collection election yeah um, do you reckon there's any validity to that I don't you wouldn't know. think so would I you? don't know yeah. I mean, I mean, it, I suppose it, it's it, possible. It kind of sucks for Trump that if that is his one, you know, good thing that he's done, 
uh, that it was announced after everyone voted. <laughs> but it's also just really funny. So. Yeah, but uh, again, if you're weighing the scales of Trump COVID response, maybe un- you know inadvertently funding a program which produced a vaccine, sure, that's on the good side of the scale. Literally not giving a fuck for 11 months <laughs> as it runs rampant and kills 250,000 Americans is probably still weighing that scale down for a lot of voters. Yeah. Also, I, I have a massive objection to the name Operation Warp Speed. I mean, <laughs> what are you doing? What do you Turn want? off the TV. You're not fucking... <laughs> In a space movie. This is not a movie. Don't call it Operation Warp Speed. Uh Call it Operation fucking Falcon or something. That'd be cool. Oh. That's a bit it's a bit subtle, you know? Falcons. Captain Falcon. But don't call it Operation Warp Speed. You It's such a literal name, isn't it? It's like calling it Operation Let's Get a Vaccine Fast. Like (laughs) it's just show a little bit more like panache, please. Yeah. Yeah, operation really fast. <laughs> uh, it loses, yeah. But it's such a Trump it's such a Trump thing to name. Do it. you think he named it? No, but his Goonies did. He's, yeah. He's got too many Goonies. That, too many that Goonies. Are, do you like do you like this one, Donald? Operation what I love it. I love it. Operation Hyperdrive. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, that, was, that was the next one on the list. Yeah, Operation Top Gun. <laughs> the uh, vaccine to go back around, like you asked if I'd take it, I, due to the nature of my exposure risk, the first people in every country to get it will be frontline workers. You know, people working in hospitals, people you know in public spaces, that kind of thing, and podcasters. And podcasters <laughs> comes next. Um, so, you know, by the time it comes to New Zealand and I imagine that it's a fairly easy rollout over here, given that, you know, we're in a pretty good position when it comes to be generally publicly accessible, there will have been literally millions of people around the world who've already had it. And the other thing is you need multiple jabs by the sounds of it. So you need two doses, um, Mm. By that time again, due to that rollout period, I think people will have had those second doses already by the time it comes near me. So at that point, you know, if there's no international <laughs> news scandals about it, then I've got no hesitation in taking it. So do you know that the people know the timeline? Are we talking like March, April next year? Is they were saying that some that? of the earliest frontline responses, I think that uh, these are all from the deep recesses of my brain, but I think they said they try to have 20 million. I think they said they wanted to have 20 million doses by the end of the year. And then more rolling out into January, February next year. Right. And then who decides where that goes? Is is it just like the highest bidder? Because like fucking India is, I mean, no one talks about India. You don't hear in India in the news, but they, a fucked. Yeah, they've got uh, a big problem like, as well. As, who's who's given it to India? I mean, presumably they're not. I mean, they, are they a big economy? They are. Well, I they? think they are. Yeah, for sure. But the um, I think the the US government like already pre-signed a contract. Or part of the warp speed thing is that they get early access. You know, like it's they they get the beta 
software release, <laughs> they get the they get the access into the club where they get to skip the queue as part of this funding program. So I think a lot of those initial doses will go to the US, and then maybe they it doesn't. That doesn't seem right, does it? I don't know. Just like the richest countries get the vaccine. I mean, it makes sense in in one sense, but it also doesn't seem fair. Well, the crazy thing about it as well is that these drug companies who got public money to make the vaccine will get paid for the vaccines. So they'll make a profit off selling this thing as well, even though the public paid for it. It's, Mm. It's still that kind of capitalist nightmare of like, Literally, our taxes created this, and we still have to pay you for it. <laughs> oh yeah, we uh, we literally have to suck big farmers' dick right now. That's quite homophobic. What's wrong with sucking uh, dicks, Michael? No, I like sucking a dick. But if you wait, what did I just say? I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, I sorry, you let your de- inside thoughts go out. I got on the defensive real quick. <laughs> you know, I love sucking dick, and I refuse <laughs> you. <laughs> What did I just say? I don't know. I, um, yeah, maybe. Is it is it homophobic? I mean, it's not. I mean, if it's homophobic, it's heterophobic as well to women. It's sexist. It's it's. I'm not just a homophobe. I'm a sexist. I'm also too. sexist. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget. Uh, if you've enjoyed this kind of thing. You know what? No. I don't want to do the R. I always start with the R, and I find it really annoying. What's the R? Uh, if you've enjoyed today, uh, if you like this, you know, that just kind of doesn't do you want, give you... How a, about this? Do you want me to give you a beat, and then you rap, and then you do it in the beat? Was that going to be too hard? It's going to be hard with a lag, I think. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, what I'll do is I'll just speak with diction and precisely. Rapper without a beat. I'm not a very good rapper. Maybe next episode. If you've enjoyed this show, I'm so grateful to hear it. Thank you for telling me. If you go to Apple Podcasts and tell other people there, then maybe they'll come and listen to our show as well. And I think we can all enjoy and appreciate that. This show can be found on various social media platforms. You can go to Twitter and get notifications when a new episode goes up. You can go to Facebook and just learn information and see interesting news articles and join a community of parsnip lovers who will never be satisfied with the parsnip content that we post. And there are places to go on SoundCloud to listen to our jingles coming up to Christmas season, go and add us to your favorites. You can write us an email and send in questions and thoughts like my dad did this week. Thanks dad. Deepford at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us visually, the Instagram exists as well. Oh, it's just, it's a smorgasbord of options for you and we appreciate your presence in all of them. End rap. You, you, you kind of lost time a little bit. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to rap. Yeah, that was good. Good outro, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, cheers. I, I really <laughs> felt like I picked up some speed in the middle. I, you know, was confident <laughs> with what I was saying. 
and uh yeah i felt like i thought i was in the zone you know some weeks it's uh it's a little bit hard but um you know i just kept my head kept my mind in the game and uh you know, yeah. i warmed up beforehand and uh you know sometimes it, it just goes your way you know the cards cards fall cards fall as they do this is how nick and i usually chat yeah after the podcast ends so a little behind the scenes behind action the scenes. right there it's kind of yeah. uh it's kind of like when you see the football players sitting at the media table after the game and uh yeah. people say how do you think you went Oh, I felt like there was way more to that. No, that was the, <laughs> that was the that was the comparison in a nutshell. Sorry, I didn't, didn't realize you were about to do it. Ah. <laughs> it's my most known quality. <laughs> That's um, your way of telling me to shut up. Right uh, now. I'm about to do a thing. <laughs> I feel like it has been. All right, let me just close all this bullshit. All this fucking bullshit. <laughs> Such a good Boston accent. Boston accent. <laughs> That's what people from Boston say. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my Boston accent. Look at that part. <laughs> That's a character guy who thinks he can do a Boston accent, but it's just way off. He's never been to guy or really investigated Boston before. <laughs> guy who's got some of the elements he's there heard, of Boston. He's heard of it like friend of a friend. But it's like still someone's not processing it not well enough. It out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very complex guy. It's very very complex. complex guy. He's got layers. <laughs> Alrighty, it's been a, it's been a while since we checked in with this guy, so I think given the state of 2020, it's time for some George Clooney news. Oh, I forgot about George Clooney. George, 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 George Clooney, George, George Clooney news. Watch, Watch out, out for, for that, that, tree. that tree! Yes, we actually when you on my end that actually synced perfectly. So because no, I, I I I I went yeah. and then and then I hesitated again so yeah. I could catch up with the lag. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. Uh, George Clooney news. If you haven't encountered George Clooney, George Clooney, <laughs> George Clooney, <laughs> then you probably want this explanation. What we do is we just look for what George Clooney's been up to. And boy, boy, do I have a story. I'm ready. I'm waiting. I, you know, it's, uh, let, fuck it. Let's just get on with it. Okay. My Kahlua with milk's kicking in and yeah. I'm, I'm in the zone. <laughs> the Kahlua zone. Here. So there is a big Jiku profile on George Clooney. Links in the chapter notes if you want to go read it. It's I heard very, about this. It's very enjoyable. He throws shade at Russell Crowe. Throws shade at Russell Crowe. Love it. Um, a whole bunch of interesting little tidbits. You can find out why he hasn't been acting recently because he's really just a family guy and he's enjoying he's, being at home. He's been um, supporting his wife. Supporting his wife. Um, and then towards the end of the interview comes this nugget. The interviewer says 
we have heard that you gave away $14 million to your friends. And he demures as to whether or not to answer it and then eventually gives in and talks through the story. So I just want to read to you an excerpt of this GQ interview about the time that George Clooney gave away $14 million. I am genuinely interested in this. Yeah. So... He sets the scene. Amal and I had just met, but we weren't dating at all. I was a single guy. All of us were aging. I was 52 or something. And most of my friends are older than me. This was 2013. Gravity was just about to come out. And because they didn't want to pay us, they gave us percentages of the movie because they thought it was going to be a flop. And that ended up being a very good deal. So he had some money. But not interestingly as much as he has now because he sold his tequila company for like a billion dollars. Uh, but in 2013, he didn't have a family or any real idea or hope that someday he would. He wasn't even da- dating Amal. And he thought, what I do have are these guys, his friends, who over a period of 35 years helped me in one way or another. I've slept on their couches when I was broke. They loaned me money when I was broke. They helped me when I needed help over the years and I helped them over the years. We're all good friends. And I thought, you know, without them, I don't have any of this. And we're all really close. And I just thought, basically, if I get hit by a bus, they're all in the will. So why the fuck am I waiting to get hit by a bus? And so he decided to get his hands on $14 million in cash and give it to them in cash in suitcases. Because if you're going to give people a million dollars, you want to fucking do it in a suitcase, don't you? So. He did some research. He found that in downtown LA, in an undisclosed location, there's a place you can go that has giant pallets of cash. (laughs) Clooney got an old beat-up van that said Florist on it, like he was in a heist movie. (laughs) And he drove downtown and got in an elevator with the Florist van and took the van down to the vault and loaded it up with cash. He told no one but his assistant and a couple of security guys that were shitting themselves. And then they brought it up in the van. He bought 14 Toomey bags, which I guess are those kind of Ziploc carry bag things. And he packed in a million bucks cash, which he tells us helpfully isn't as much as you think it is weight-wise, into these bags. And then the next day, he had all his friends come over. And he just held up a map and pointed to all the places he got to go in the world and the things he got to see before because of them and said... How do you repay people like that? And then I said, oh, well, how about a million bucks? And then he just gave his 14 friends a million dollars each in cash. Isn't that... While they're all there. there, They all just got given a bag (laughs) with a million dollars in it. That is... Isn't that... I mean, bizarre, but also like... Such an opportune, like, kind Story. of blessed life, but sort of yeah. weird. Here's the thing I don't get about indulgent. Clune, the old clone tang is that he's got so many of these stories. Like, he sounds so, so bored sorry, as a sorry. young man. Like, sorry, did you just call him the clone tang? I called him clone tang, not the clone tang. <laughs> um, is it, he's got so many of these, like, sto- I was actually watching. I think it might have been a G- GQ run YouTube thing where George Clooney breaks down his mo- most iconic roles. So I was actually mm. watching it 
a Clooney yes a Clooney thing yesterday. But he's got so many of these stories where he's like pranking Brad Pitt and Matt Damon and it's just like always oh, pranking each other and it's so hilarious and and they're, and they're like pranking each other with like Italian tabloids where they're printing shit that Brad Pitt is like I don't know he just sounds before he met his wife he just sounds like he had so much time on his hands like these <laughs> elaborate pranks and these sh- like I, part of me doesn't believe it like it surprises me that he's. You said he's like kind of reluctant to talk about the time he gave each of his friends a million dollars in a suitcase. But the surely like the reason why he's doing it like that is so he can have the story to tell. Like it's not just like, I mean, if you want to give your friends that have helped you out over the years a million bucks, just fucking transfer it. Don't make it harder. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's some tax reason where if you transfer it, then you'd like lose a bunch to tax. I don't know. The, um, I, I can sort of see. I, I, I take your point that it, it feels like a story that begs to be told, and it is a good story. Right. But I think you just interpret it a little bit more like he's a storyteller, right? He's an actor slash director. Sure. He's thinking about things in a like a narrative spectacle kind of sense if you're a movie lover a movie buff he's literally danny ocean like how's the way you're gonna give money to your friends fucking get it in cash and give it to him in a bag right like that's more fun than just opening your bank account and discovering an extra million dollars in there right i think i think that's true and i'm being a little a little too critical there of him or a little bit too cynical because i just thinking about my own life like i I appreciate. I appreciate. I mean, you and I do it. I mean, we do this Christmas song. the The best, the best moments Carol. about life as as you get older are the the putting in maximum effort into things that don't deserve maximum effort, and that's where joy. That's where jo- the biggest joys are. Don't you think? Yeah, it's it's the things that you do because you want to, right? It's sure. like. It's, it's not overkill for no reason other than just. I mean, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's things that you're not that you're only doing for yourself, right? Like and that's, the uh, and the uh, and to have a laugh with the uh, other people. Exactly. Involved. Yeah. I mean, there are everyone does things for other people. Okay, that's going to come off more cynical than I intended it to, but like. When you do things for other people, there's also something you're getting from it yourself, right? And so one of those aspects, even if you're being altruistic, can also be what's the way that I'm going to enjoy this most as well, right? And yeah. and I think his approach, particularly as he said, he was 52 and he didn't have a family and never expected to have one. He's just yeah. him and his boys, you know. The weird thing about it is actually that he is a more believable millionaire than like Trump is. Like at least Clooney seems to enjoy it, you know. Yeah. Trump is so right, probably yeah. richer than Trump. Uh, sorry, Clo- yeah, Clooney is probably richer than Trump ever was, but right. he's certainly enjoying it more than Trump ever did. Yeah, you're you're probably right there. I just thought of another n- another Clooney name, a Cluna Matata. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? That's quite good. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, uh, and uh, yeah, and who doesn't want to have like one of those stories? I mean, it's a cool 
story. Like you think about for one of those friends that were gifted a million bucks. I mean, they get to say George Clooney gave me a million bucks in cash out of a florist van. I mean, yeah, I they'll, mean, they'll, 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 their grandkids will tell that story. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably not because how many like famous movie stars of my grandparents' era do we talk about? Uh, I mean, well, yeah, probably right. Well, I suppose I, Orson Welles gave my granddad a million dollars. You know, it could work. <laughs> well, that you'd expect that money to still be in the family at yeah. some But that was a good Clooney news, man. Like, I reckon that was my favorite Clooney news. Oh, thank you. Not even the one where um, Clooney used his Nescafe money to buy a satellite which spied over... Uh, like Syrian uh, war zones. No, that was my favorite clue. This is this is a hot number two. A hot number two. Yeah, <laughs> that's just like my Friday night. That's <laughs> what Emma calls me. Uh, I feel like we need a better joke. Is there any way that we can what? Be, can we be How funnier? Dare you, dude? Can we be funnier? I, can we try and be funnier just again? I I literally thought when it, before I said that this will be the closer. This is true. <laughs> So explain like, this is explain the joke to me then. What hot number two in what way? I said, I mean, like you're a piece that... of shit. Is it like a toilet related number two joke? No, it's like a, just a backhanded compliment. You're my hot number two. As in number two, as in like your second in command. No, second in preference. Second in preference. That's where I was going. As I mean, in, now you're making me explain it, which is yeah. No, I know that this part isn't funny. I'm just trying to understand it so I can, I can retroactively assess if it was good. Or yes, not. but with every question, you're killing the laughter. <laughs> well, I don't know if it needs to be funny anymore. It wasn't then. <laughs> <laughs>